And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a series ending edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Tim Kawakami with me right now. Marcus Thompson will join us. The standard MT delay, but people have grown used to and appreciate that. It's just me and Slater to start. Then comes the heavy stuff. Why do you think his stories are so much better than everybody else's? <laughs> there you go. He doesn't race over and cut it short to get make sure he's on time for this podcast. Because people ask me, like, how come I always got to wait for Marcus? I go, just fast forward to his part then. You don't have to listen to me and Slater if you don't want to. So they they win 120-110. They, they, they complete a pretty easy 4-1 series over the Mavericks. I mean, this was an easier series than the Memphis series. The Memphis no, series, they didn't have John Morant for, for three games. A little bit surprising. I think the game two was the big swing game where, you know, Dallas has 21 threes. Warriors still find a way to win that game. But at the same time, like, the swing game in Memphis is game one where, you know, the jaw layup at the buzzer basically. And that goes the Warriors' way, but they still get, you know, had to fight tooth and nail to, like, barely pull it out in game six. I think looking back at it now, I mean, maybe we can we can criticize Phoenix and maybe Phoenix would have been just as easy. But I think the Warriors... We already criticized Phoenix, but we might do I just think the Warriors were fortunate that it was Dallas waiting for them in the West Finals. Yep, no question. And especially coming off that Memphis series, which was so physically tough and so mentally... You know, they're, they're going back and forth, you know, in the media and there's guys getting hurt... And, you know, just the, the physicality of that team, the speed of that team. So much more uncomfortable, I think, to play in Memphis than it is for them to play in Dallas. Uh, it's going to be very hard for Dallas to win a game here. It just, I, I, it was hard. They almost did, but even then they, they couldn't. And if the Warriors played half decently, it was going to be very hard. And we've seen, we saw it, we saw it tonight. Uh, you know, maybe Luka's a little worn down, but that happens when you're carrying the entire offense yourself. Uh, maybe some of the other guys were just ready to, you know, at some point get, get hit the golf course and hit the beaches. But the Warriors were just a better team here. Like, you have to beat them here. If they're going to win one there, which they do every series and which they did in Dallas in Game 3, then you have to beat them here. And they're very good at home. They're, you know, this is not the rowdiest place in the world, but this is a place where they're very comfortable and they're very comfortable that they will be able to pull it out uh, in the third or fourth quarters. And, and tonight it didn't even really take that much, but uh, they, they showcased that they were yeah, a better team than Dallas, and specifically a tougher team than Dallas. 9-0 and now at Chase Center in the playoffs. Uh, you know, was, to me this was kind of Clay uh, Thompson again, second straight elimination game, uh, or at least closeout game, I should say, that – to me, his early jumpers just kind of eased everything. I think he finished with 32 on 12 of 25 in the closeout Memphis game. He had 30 on, I don't know, it was like 14 and 22 or something like that. Um, he, 
to me, he's going to need to be more consistent against Boston, and we're, we're calling if it Boston. Boston if it's, if it's Draymond Boston. Green's already saying it's Boston. Everyone, <laughs> I, I tried to throw it out there to, to Kerr, and Kerr would not bite on it. I, I just said, a team that might be a lot bigger than you. And he said, well, did, first, we got to see who it is. <laughs> did you see Clay, Clay Thompson was walking out of the press conference room talking to somebody, and he was like, you coming to Boston? Get some clam chowder? You coming? And I'm like, and I was like, already calling it? Yeah. <laughs> I did hear that, and I, you know, hey, they're up 3-2, and they got a home game. Leads have been kicked away in, in lesser situations, but uh, it's probably going to be Boston. Boston's huge. Anyway, the Warriors will have home court advantage over either team. And, that again, when you're undefeated at home in the postseason and you have home court advantage in the finals and you have won a road game in 26 consecutive playoff series, whatever the match part, it looks pretty good. I mean, this the situation is that it looks pretty good for the Warriors. Uh, we can all point to some of their weaknesses or some of their vulnerabilities, but this is a situation where this is playing out for them. And maybe Dallas in the Western Conference was a, was a chance, you know, an, another moment that it played out pretty well for them. It seemed to me that you wrote about the big situation. <laughs> I, I don't I know. Said I, I said I was going to write about that. I didn't really write about that. Um, but I do believe, like, the mix and match and, like, they, they don't feel like they should be dominating these games on the glass. Yet they keep when they won again the, the, the boards tonight. They've won, like, quite consistently throughout the season and even more you, in the playoffs. You know, playoffs. they have the two best offensive rebounders in the playoffs. Andrew Wiggins <laughs> and Kevon Looney. Yeah, Wiggins with 10 rebounds tonight. Looney with 18. This is back, backing up Looney's 22 in the clincher against Memphis. This is real stuff. Like, I think they're not... A, you know, physically going to be able to keep up with Boston or with Robert Williams and and uh, Al Horford, but I mean, maybe I mean Tatum is like at this point. How can you say otherwise? I basically I kind of thought about writing that, and I ended up writing Draymond's emotion and Draymond, you know, yelling "We back, we back." He was running through the quarters, yelling "We back, we back," and just what that signifies, what that means, why he's the person who gets the trophy, uh, what why they enjoy him so much, what what this whole season has meant uh so i wrote a lot of like a lot of different things so slater's calling me out on what i said i was gonna write and kind of wandered away from but i started with draymond who is indeed in the front line and will be massively important uh in the next series if it is certainly if it if it's boston because they just have a million guys you have to guard and he's gonna have to get one of them for sure like you're gonna have to be able to say one of those guys draymond's guarding and we have to we don't have to worry about him so much i'm not sure who it'll be and i don't know how how it's going to be set up but that is going to be a very tricky strategic uh matchup for the warriors also, he's going to have to score, and he has been scoring. He's This is now five out of the last six games. He's 10-plus, and that's always such a magic number for them, right? I mean, he doesn't have to score 20. He never does it anymore, but 10 means he was a threat. 10 means he took what was there at times. Tonight he hits a corner three. I think he ended with maybe 14 or so. Three and ones, too. Like he was getting Power to, and yeah, ones. to the rim, foul, and getting it over that front rim, which does not always happen. Uh, you know, it's, it's the Celtic. It's not the Celtics, I mean. It's some, you know lesser people he's going through but that's important for him to feel good offensively be hitting some outside shots taking some outside shots uh, that is changes everything for them i don't know what the stat is like when he scores 10 points so i mean it's very hard for them to be beat when he scores 10 and clay scores 30 or close to 30 they are practically impossible to beat yeah look clay's offense to me just like takes them 
to to a different stratosphere and the and what i was saying earlier is like he just to me he he can't be as inconsistent as he's been against this level up of competition that we're expecting them to face in the finals um you know <coughs> they're playing and you know they're playing we all know the dallas was had played good defense to finish the season obviously played good defense a lot of the time in the first two rounds boston is a whole other thing and miami too like either one, that this is going to be a defense that's going to turn the Warriors over and it's going to force them to do things they don't want to do. Dallas could do that for stretches, but not for entire games. This is going to be really interesting. But, you know, what? listen, the Warriors, are, they know all this. They've said all this, but they're allowed to celebrate for a couple of days and the fan base is allowed to celebrate. This is, a, this is a monumental achievement to get back here after what we saw in a disintegration after we saw, you know, in, in June 2019. Uh, they, they are rightfully proud to be here. You know, not satisfied, but a little satisfied, right? A little satisfied. There was a sense of that, like, a, a conclusion, like, not conclusion, but a completion of a, like, this team could have gone away after June 2019. Really could have. And they are back. And that's what Draymond was screaming. They, we, we back. We back. And they are. Yeah, uh, before we get to maybe some of the bigger picture thoughts, maybe wait on Marcus for that. Um, you know, you didn't write about it, but let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the big man situation beyond Draymond, who, again, obviously had a good series. Kevon Looney has, like, made a ton of money in these playoffs. I mean, he's... I'm he, still a bit curious. Like, he's played great before in the playoffs and become a free agent, and I got money. Now, you think he's got to get money now, right? He's got to. Well, we'll see. I would say, look, he signed, what was it, like, three years, 15, with, yeah. a, with a player option on the third year a couple seasons ago, and by the middle of that contract you thought uh he's might not get another contract in the league couldn't stay healthy it was like obviously he had the early career hip surgeries but remember the neuropathy he went through the uh core surgery he needed he had to like overhaul his diet he could not stay on the court and you wondered you know when this contract's done not only like would the warriors probably give up on him is why they drafted james wiseman part of the reason um but all uh you know, you were just wondering if he would just last in the league. And now, I mean, the Warriors getting him back on the mid-level would feel like a steal yep. for them. He's pro- and, like, James Wiseman, you know, involvement in next season or not, like, Kevon Looney probably again is going to enter the season as a starting center oh, yeah. if they could bring him back. And not only enter, ne- you know, next <coughs> season, he's now entering the finals where, to me, what – it was wild by the middle of this series. Like, I no longer had daily questions about the starting lineup, no, right? You weren't no. sitting there like <laughs> – you know who who are they going to put in that fifth floating spot? It no longer became a floating spot. Like Kavon Looney is the fifth starter, and it would not make any sense to even change that at all. No, and they didn't. And you know, I, I think if they would have, it would have been Otto Porter, <laughs> frankly, right? Not Jordan Poole. Uh, they're just com- kind of committed to staying a little bit bigger, and it has worked for them. And Looney's been incredible. I mean, the two closeout games, he's just amazing. You know, and. That means something. I was like, I was actually like, kind of thinking of this story. And I'm like, is he good now? Like, is this like not just loony? You know, interesting. Uh, is he actually like we're looking at Al Horford and Robert Williams? If that's who, and I, I go, these are good players. Williams has hurt a lot, but he's a good player. Horford is playing ridiculously in the playoffs. Like, he's an outstanding player. I was thinking, isn't Looney like doing a similar stuff? Like, <laughs> except for hitting threes. It's like that's what he's doing. He is defending everybody. No, Luca is not getting past you him. You know, uh, a few th- funny things from the a crowd perspective tonight. 
did you hear all the loon <laughs> chants after yeah. every rebound? I've like that's that's not what he usually gets. You very yeah. you very rarely, and maybe you had a couple fans yeah. saying it, but like it was like a full throttle like loon every time he was doing <laughs> anything. Favored. Come on, Looney. I mean, to me, like yeah. he has really elevated wow. yeah. the reputation in these players. He's deserved to. I mean, it's not just the def- defense; it's the re- like when you pull down this amount of rebounds in the postseason, it really matters, especially on this team. You know, lacking size, playing small at times or a lot of times, uh, you 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 put those numbers up. You that physical. He's getting these offensive rebounds. The offensive rebounds he got. These two of them back to back, and then they shovels it out. Was that to Clay for the three? No, be elite. Be elite. Who I wanted yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to. Like this is this is the stuff that wins you fans. Obviously, it doesn't have to be with just the threes. This is huge stuff. Huge second, stuff. second fan thing with Looney. There was a there was a Dallas fan back in. Uh, gosh, this would have been game three. Uh, behind the scores table that, you know, Looney was, was playing well and Dwight Powell was not. And, you know, Dallas didn't have a center. Dwight doesn't Powell have a play in the series. I can barely remember him in this series. But some Dallas fan was like, why can't we get a center like Looney? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, number one, I'm like, eh, I think you can. Just spend a little money this summer. But also I'm like, you know, you know, did anyone see where this was going from a center perspective this playoffs? And Marcus has joined us. But, I mean, the fact that, you know, Obviously, the the storylines entering the playoffs was like, you know, how will they hold up? Basically, without a traditional center, Looney six foot nine came in the league, not being a center, and he, to the point that Dallas's fans are are begging their front office to get a center like Kevon Looney. It's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's especially funny considering during the dynasty they always had like five, of them, right? They kept a center. Steve doesn't like not having centers. As a matter of fact. They might have won another title if he wasn't so addicted to centers, right? <laughs> Which title? The 2016, when they kept putting in Fences and Zeal and Oh, wow. He's really going hard with this one. So it's just, you know, Steve's bent on having a, a big man in there. Uh, it, it was always just weird. Like, what are they going to do? They never got one. They were content not to get one. They obviously thought they were well, getting wise men. They kept drafting yeah. Damon Jones and Jordan Bell and all that stuff. But they had Looney the, like, the whole time. Yeah, but so we thought, I thought, this this series, this postseason would come down to how well Draymond holds up a center. But it turns out, eh, you don't need him to because Kavan Chamber Looney has entered the chat. <laughs> well, so fantastic in game six, obviously, the 22 rebounds, story of that game. Again tonight, which we mentioned earlier, he was really good again. But to me, the forgotten game in this just loony renaissance is game two. Draymond was really bad that night, almost got tossed a few times, gets five fouls, ends up fouling out actually in that game. And Looney, they were better with Looney on the floor, and that's to, to what you did tonight, though. They, they did. Pulling. They pulled Draymond early, like six minute mark. That, that was to get Looney or to get Draymond with the second unit because the second unit had struggled so much in the last game without. Yeah, but Porter. you can do that. Yeah. You know, you can do that because it's like okay, four guards with Looney. You know, that's fine. Now Lo- Looney's the guy, and listen, like he missed. He had a couple of uh, old school Looney finishes in this game. But still, like, down the stretch, he's, like, putting his shoulder into people, pump faking, going up hard. Like, this dude as, is like, yo. Tim said before you got here, he was like, come on, Looney, good now? Like, he's good. <laughs> like, he's just a good center. He's not just, like, classic Looney. 
<laughs> we have to like shift everything. It's not like, it's like Looney is good now. It's like this small great lineup. The whole thing was yeah, you get Looney out of the starting lineup. You're gonna start Jordan Poole, and there's your best five. It's like Looney is your best five now. It's like he's in your best five. It's it's amazing. It's it has happened. I declare it. It has happened at a time in a career that is is abnormal for it to happen, right? Usually, but at this point, you just kind of know who a player is. But no, he's like elevated. Draymond said, "Like yeah, like Jordan's gotten better this year. Looney's gotten better this year, and um, he's right. You don't normally hear it said like that, but he has gotten better. Like through the year, he's gotten gotten better, and he is playing by far the best basketball of his career in these playoffs. Like not even close. So uh, full credit to him, man. Full credit to him. And they are really, really, really going to need him in the next round. Really going to need him. But we'll be on to the next round. All right, uh, Marcus, what'd you write about?" I wrote about how Steph, Clay, and Draymond are basically unbeatable when they play together, when they're healthy. Uh, and, man, I'm just going through it. It's been a long time. It's been a lot of teams, right? There are very few teams that can claim beating that they beat them when they're healthy on the court together. And to me, this was like their defining playoff run, right? The one that make, that takes away any talk about it being a fluke or any talk about it being because of injuries or whatever. Or Kevin Durant. Or Kevin Durant, right? So for them to do it now while they're older with a completely new different cast around them, there's no question these three are the center of the championship core. Like that's undeniable at this point because they did it again uh, against the odds and after two years and after injuries and all that. So uh, I, I, I just felt like this was the time to talk about it, like, these dudes don't lose, man. It, and and I know people have used all of this stuff, all of the things that happen and losing as a way to kind of diminish them. But the truth is, if you beat them, that's a boon to your legacy, right? That's how good they are. They're so hard to beat that if you pull it off, like LeBron did it, and he became instant, solidified. Now you're talking about him as one of the greatest of all time. Whoever beats them next they will they will be they will be you know remembered because well of let's it. just theoretically say boston beats them in the finals that is will feel much weightier for boston than Absolutely. if they beat dallas or yeah. phoenix even right no or question. even for phoenix uh, it just you're right and but you know good to go along with what mt saying a little bit of what i wrote as i continue to say i wrote about a lot of different things today but um it's as Steph started talking about, like their their real satisfaction is that they're bringing in these other players from other systems, and they're getting they they win with the Warriors. Like they get better with the Warriors. Wiggins, you know, you can just go to Bielitsa tonight. You know, Otto Porter. Like they become winners when they join the Warriors. Jordan Poole as a rookie develops into a winning player. That is further testament to to the legacy of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. I believe. Um, and maybe their lasting one. I think that's the lasting one of this season. If they win the championship this season, it will. It's not just about those three maintaining their level and you know continuing to be winning players. It's that just being around them and and the culture they set up. And Kerr, Steve Kerr is a big part of this. Makes these other players better. And it's hard to say that about a lot of other groups like this. Uh, it has happened at times, I'm sure, Showtime Lakers or whatever. I mean, the other great seasons. But this really has been this season because Clay's taken time to come back. Draymond hasn't been healthy the whole time. Steph hasn't been healthy the whole time. They're not the same players they were, certainly not in 2015, 2017, 2018. But 
they are making everyone else rise to their level to, to become a version of Sean Livingston or Andre Iguodala or these other great players who are part of it. And that is such a tribute to those three guys. Yeah, that, he just wrote my column, so we're good. <laughs> I wrote a lot of different columns. I wrote a lot of different columns tonight. Did you happen to write about, like, the stability of Steph Curry? <laughs> no, I did not, that one I left aside. I, I, I played that to the side, but I just loved that mo- the, the moment where Draymond's you know, got the trophy and screaming and his teammates, you could tell they loved it. They like, I mean, they loved two things, right? Steph getting the MVP, which I hope you wrote about Slater. They were going crazy over him getting that trophy. I think, did Steph say, I got one, I got one, like one MVP trophy? I think that's what he Somebody was Somebody slipped a joke to him that Ernie Johnson was trying to get him to say publicly, but he wouldn't. I think he said that I got one. I think that means like you finally got a trophy. But also probably, the, yeah. the moment where Draymond's screaming and we back, we back. And, and Clay running. too. Clay almost cried. Yeah, up there, so I'd say those, all, it just was very emotional, and I, you know, I. This is they've been through it a lot, but you could tell that there was. I, I just wrote that it was different and a little more profound. It was like deeper feeling to this. Like the first one, you know, incredibly emotional. Look, we're here. Kurt talked about it. Like you know, oh my God, we're here. But they were all so much younger, and the second, third, like they all were emotional. But this one was more like, like people have lived lives. People have lost and won and suffered and triumphed and become richer and become parents. All, and all these things was all in that moment. So, again, I'm writing my own column, which I've already filed. Uh, I'm speaking about it better than I wrote. But that's, I felt there was a lot of power in that. Uh, just where they are looking back, where they're back. They still got to win four games. So here's a question. They lose. Were we talking anything like this at the end of it at all about this season? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it it won't be like the stuff of legend if they lose the finals, but I think them winning the West at their current ages, considering what, what the past two seasons were, which was worst team in basketball, the pandemic hit, which I think people just, you know, it's kind of forgotten within the last couple of seasons, but that just made everything just seem so, just worldwide seem so much more fragile, uh, including just like, I don't know, just their, uh, I guess, longevity whatever you want to call it and then you know even last season like the fact that they didn't couldn't even get in the playoffs um and there were so many moments particularly throughout season with 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 you know the the Wiseman situation the Oubre and just like how they couldn't seem to rediscover themselves they all brought up 15 and 5 though it's like such a huge thing for them that they they started figuring it out by going 15 and 5 to end last season lost the play-in games but they they went 15 and 5 and they knew they had clay coming back and that really kind of changed the idea and the vision. I think they had this, or, or just the reality of what they could do uh, last offseason. They just felt like they could do it. And they weren't sure about it, but they felt like it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So much has gone into like, you know, getting back to the mountaintop, uh, which obviously Clay had to come back. Draymond had to play the type of defense that he has all season. Andrew Wiggins had to, you know, first of all, Bob Myers had to make the trade for Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had to be this type of defender, which, you know, we haven't even talked about him, but he was awesome on Luka Doncic all series. Still 40 minutes a game. Go play yeah. Luka. Uh, Joe Lacob's spending is very much influential, crucial within all this, but to Steve Kerr's coaching too. Uh, but just Steph Curry's willingness to stick this out, number one. And, you know, I have a quote that, that's in the story of just from Kerr just talking about like, you know, there are a lot of stars in the league when, when you hit 15 and 50, when when you don't make the playoffs the second season, when you're sitting there, you know, kind of staring at a questionable late prime. And when you see your organization has three lottery picks and they don't use any of those. Teenagers. Yeah. They don't use any of those lottery picks to help the current core. They use it on the future you know guys that they want to be very good when you're gone um that there's a lot of major players in the league that would grumble that would have used you know his contract situation as we all can remember he didn't have to extend he that could have been a leverage into a power play uh didn't do that kept everyone together kept the situation together uh because i think at any point like if he pulls a plug everybody pulls it like it just it turns into the next era uh and also his coachability his defense uh, the way he, you know he has become a better def- like his best defensive season is his 13th season i mean i thought he was very good defensively this series uh and then the conditioning jason kidd mentioned it uh and his one of his press conferences this series, like best conditioned athlete in the league. I think Jason Kidd is a little bit talking to Luca within that, but you know, there's we're seeing it with stars across the league. You know, the deeper the playoffs go, they wear down, they fade. Steph Curry again in age thir- or in year thirteen is the best conditioned athlete in the league according to Jason Kidd. Like that's why they're in the finals. Is his that's professionalism, that's work, that's coachability, that's just everything from Steph. Yeah, that but that's been. That was the case in the Houston series back in the day, right? Where Steph is like, I'm, you know, I'm built for this, which is a clear message. He didn't believe them other dudes had the conditioning to survive. Even I think he told Reggie Miller, but Reggie Miller said it like, there's a there's a confidence knowing that you're the best conditioned athlete out there. More uh, conditioned than James Harden? I don't know about that. I don't know. Definitely more than Eric Gordon, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely and more than Andrew him. Wiggins. Right? Yeah, I know, right? Andrew Wiggins is one of them dudes. I think that's why he he fits. But there is the the crazy part about Steph is the other thing that makes him really unique is that all of the stuff he's doing, like he just he could just be like, I'm not doing that because <laughs> he's Steph Curry, but he does it right from from not complaining about being the fifth fifth highest paid player on the team. Remember that to oh, yeah. to like trying hard on defense right like like really trying to get after it and trying to feel the weaknesses in his game 
Like, this is why people come and play for him. Like, this is why they come to be to be with him. This is why Andrew Wiggins is smiling like that, right? And why Andre Iguodala is like, I'm ready to retire, but let me get one more run with Steph because people just love playing with that dude because of this stuff. Yeah, well, one uh, example I put in my story, like, they, they jacked his rotation pattern up this season. And, I mean, in retrospect, we know, like, he didn't like it. You know, it was months on months where Steve Kerr wanted to – you know, limit their exposure in those. Like, he didn't want the six-minute non-curry for a while. He wanted to kind of see if that would help. And also, he just wanted to experiment. Remember, a lot of the season was about different rotation combinations, getting him with Jordan Poole more, different stuff like that. But he just did it. And as you said, like, a lot of stars wouldn't do it. It's just these small examples time over time. And the, the One of the quotes Kerr had to me was just like, he's never had a moment where – it's been hard to coach Steph Curry. I mean, there are other players on this roster, I think we all know, very good players on this roster, who there are times when Steve Kerr, you know, what did he, remember that? Remember when he was caught lip syncing uh, a few years ago with Draymond? I'm so, I'm tired, so of tired of Draymond. He would, you know, like, the, that's that what's... That was years ago, yeah. too, by the way. So he possibly might have been more tired as years go by. But it's, like, he probably has had that thought about pretty much every single person on this roster in this organization. Forget just players, you know, bosses of his. <laughs> um, but there's just, I mean, I, I felt like a genuine quote to me. saying like, I'd never once, like, n- not enjoyed every single moment of coaching Steph Curry, which, like, that says a lot. I mean, it's the greatest gift he got as a head coach, right? Is is to get that dude. Even when I remember when, remember they they all lobbied for Mark Jackson to come back and they didn't get him. And you know, you thought, hey man, they Steph was like basically saying, "Do not t- fire my coach," and they fired him. And I'm like, oh man, this go. might be it. Next thing you know, Steph is like golfing with Steve Kerr. Like, I'm gonna give him a shot, man. I'm gonna see. What- I'm gonna see what he, you know. I'm gonna hear him out first, at least, right? That that, that disposition is kind of like been the biggest boom for Steve. Kerr. Did he forget about Steph on the? Oh on, yeah, on the, on the, the championship, oh. the championship parade. <laughs> Remember, Steve had to. Didn't he call you or who? Yeah, he, one, he called, called one of you two. Yeah, 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 Margo, yeah, he called yeah, you because because didn't Margo say like you better get? Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and also they signed Kevin Durant. Like, you know, he's like, fine, let's sign. Like, what other superstar would say, fine, sign somebody who's going to make more than me and, you know, be an incredibly dominant player and we're going to have to change the way we play. Like, that's all those things. And, by the way, that's why Kevin wanted to come here because no other superstar would would, would be able to fit with him like that. Uh, and maybe we're seeing that in Brooklyn right now. It's just, like, really yeah, – historically, it's going to go down as it's such a unique superstar uh, for a lot of different reasons, but that that part I think uh, that the, the, the you know it's Tim Duncan and him. Like Steve always brings up Tim Duncan, and but d- Tim isn't going to get the same kind of discussion because it was San Antonio and he, and well, he certainly I mean, doesn't like, talk as much. It's Tim you know? Duncan if Tim Duncan was like an inner like global yeah. icon, yeah. you know, Tim- and, and played differently. And Steph has that the way he plays too is just so different perimeter player. But it, it's that's the only other one I can compare it to. Just how happens that. That, that Kerr, you know, played with, with Tim Duncan and his coaching Steph Curry. It's not similar to Michael Jordan. It's not similar to LeBron James. It's not similar to, like, a lot of different people we could mention uh, of that skill level. Uh, that's what's so unique about all of this. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great – I mean, in his 13th season, this is, like, it's the same as it was, like, in his second season. That's and, so unique. Well, and in some ways, again, better. Like, the conditioning and the defense. Yep. <laughs> like. Yep. 
he's built now. And I mean, like he, he, he they kind of didn't really target him as much. As, like no. they tried to get him in a bunch of well, screen action, yeah. but he's just I should say they targeted him, but they, he just handled it better. There was remember how many like pick and pop, pick and pop situations with Bullock that they were trying to run him through. And just to me, just the way he absorbs it and then goes on the other end. Also, they, they also got a, the teams have another player they can really target. <laughs> so, like, that that kind of changed it, too. Because Poole is still, you know, he's still he's an issue defensively. But you can get through it if they play this well offensively and the other guys are this good on defense. You know, you can, you got to figure out a scheme for it. But still, Jordan Poole is, is an issue on defense. And Mark, it will be for the next series. Marcus, were you surprised at how easy Dallas went down? No, not at all. I mean, I thought they were tired anyway. And, like, Lucas started the game driving. The shot wasn't going, so he was driving. He was driving. I don't even just mean tonight. I mean, like, in this series. Like, they- I thought yeah, I thought it was going to be a longer series because I thought they would get hot. I, I thought they would be hot for both Dallas games and take both games. But um, they, they also have a willing – you know, they look like they were willing to get beat at some of those games. And, and – like Reggie Bullock and, and Cleaver didn't shoot for game three, right? They just could not make a bucket. I did not think that was going to happen this series. I thought they, you know, they, I thought because of the way they went through Phoenix, they could, they're going to win most or all of their home games just because they did against Phoenix, and that did not happen. So I am surprised it was this easy. I, I wasn't, especially after game one. I feel like once I saw that Dallas had to make a lot of threes, like you just, it, it's tough to beat the Warriors that way. You got to have a counter. And I don't think they really had a good one. Plus, I mean, like, no shade, but, <laughs> like, they're just not losing to Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, that's not, you know, I mean, they're just not, it's, those dudes just aren't scary in that sense. They're good players, right? And Luka's incredible. But if you th- throw stuff at Luka, now you're like, who's the guy that's beating you? I mean, the problem with the Warriors is, they didn't have a Clay. They didn't have a Jordan Poole. Like you know, you got even with Steph, you got to have that other guy. Their other guy just wasn't that scary. Was Brunson, and he did not have a great series. Yeah, but he's yeah. Just not. Yeah. I mean, he's a good player, but but he's the only he's guy not who, taking down the Warriors. He's so. the only other guy who could have done it. He's the only other guy who could have done it. And you know, he kind of took down the Suns, uh, but the Austin Warriors put Draymond on him, and then it kind of made it tough for him. He couldn't like just dig his way into the lane. He wasn't even trying against Draymond. And again, that's also the greatness of Draymond so um I'm surprised I just thought like game three to me was the whole thing like the Warriors just took it to them in game three they just took it to them and it was they were were never going to recover from that they should Dallas had to win game two when they could have done it here and then they had to put up a much bigger fight in game three and didn't and then there's you just got to be able to counter with the Warriors you cannot do one thing you got to have a counter they're going to take away something they've got too much versatility and too much like experience especially now but we've seen it with all the great teams we've seen it with houston we've seen it with cleveland we've seen it in oklahoma city if you don't have a counter you will not beat the warriors uh and i just don't think dallas had a counter and memphis had one actually it was take ja out right <laughs> well if i was like reconfiguring like the west landscape for next season and as again what i think we've learned all season like the, the warriors are going to be in the conversation the next few years um memphis is now after seeing both these series, like to me, sticks out as a much bigger threat no question. than no, Dallas. No question. No yeah. question. Like no question. That, to me, that was very out. Memphis is Memphis is elite in the West. I That's always thought they were. I thought they were a bigger threat to the Warriors for the middle season than Phoenix was. Even though I thought Phoenix was great, 
just just the way they match up and, and the, the way they've beaten the Warriors in the past. And they, you know, we clearly saw the way they beat the Warriors in Game Five. Like that, there aren't a lot of teams that have that in them. Like who has that in them? Uh, Boston and Miami didn't beat the Warriors like that this year. Memphis did a couple times, including by 39 points in the playoffs. So they are, you know, they make one more move, and it doesn't have to be a big move. They could be like a, I mean, a screaming threat for the Warriors. They already are a threat, and. I don't know that another team. I don't know what Phoenix is going to do. I don't know, um, but um, I, Memphis is the threat to me. And Memphis was the toughest series. And if they had lost Game Six, the Warriors were going to lose Game Seven. I, I, they, I don't think they would even argue with that. So that's that's the big series. And but I think Boston is going to be very similar, if not better, than Memphis. So it will take everything the Warriors. Now Boston is going to be exhausted. The Warriors are going to get a couple more, well, at least one more day of rest. Uh, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Tatum's shoulder isn't great, but I think Boston is a really, really difficult team for the for the Warriors. All right, last subject. What was your favorite post game scene that you saw? Take me something unique that you saw, because it was you know it was kind of lively down here. Jeez, that. I mentioned the one I wrote about. I just think did Draymond on on the podium screaming and then running down. Uh, I think you. I was standing next to Slater when he was running down. And I, were you there? He was fist bumping everybody. I yeah. I did fist bump him because he went right up to me. So I fist bumped him. If anybody has that on video, that happened because he was fist, he was offering a fist bump and he was happy. Um, and like there's like there are moments you see real emotion, and he was just so happy uh, to to have gotten through this to get to the next round and that's the moment i thought really projected to me what this this series and what this playoff run has come to mean is, is that emotion of like they've gone through two years and they did not were not happy for two years they didn't have to get back here and they're back here and they were just watching draymond scream it out on the podium uh i saw jordan Poole. he was on the phone on the on the bench, I didn't write about this, but he's on the phone on the bench. Like all the players are going back into the locker room. Be it come out, I think he was talking to his mom, and he was talking to his family, and he was just really hyped. He was excited. Then he's walking back to the locker room, and he's got his guy filming the whole thing. So he sees this woman in a in a t-shirt that had a Michigan shirt that had pool on the back. He was like, "You got to get her. You got to get her." So he goes. She was in going into the the bridge club. He goes and he like takes a picture with her and films her. And she's like on the verge of tears. She's like Jordan Poole. Apparently, she's been following him since Michigan. But he was just hyped to see somebody with Jordan Poole. But he's bouncing around. It was a uh, it was it was his first time. You know, it was a it was a, it was the first time for getting getting to taste the finals glory. It, it was it was a cool moment watching Jordan Poole go through that. I grabbed Joe Lacob quickly because I just wanted to get a Steph quote out of him. And he, was, he you know, gave me a Steph quote. It's in the story. But as I'm sitting there getting it briefly, Chet Holmgren and Bill Duffy walk up. Chet Holmgren, you know, the likely number one, number two, number three overall pick in this upcoming draft. Bill Duffy, I assume, probably is going to is who he's signing with yeah. or has signed with agent-wise. But, you know, Bill Duffy's, like, introducing Chet Holmgren to Joe Lacob um, and – you know, Chet, he's like, you know, great, great venue, great, you know, this was awesome to see. You could tell he was kind of in awe of the whole situation. I saw pictures of Chet Holmgren and Dirk were out there, so he clearly met a bunch of people. But uh, it was just funny. At one point, Chet Holmgren was like, 
what about finals tickets? He's like, he, he was trying to like ask Joe about <laughs> Joe, fi- Joe like about finals tickets. I just thought it was funny. Joe kind of like ignored it and like you know moved on. But that you know, was kind of a weird scene down here. And the Chet Holmgren aspect was interesting. He is really tall. I mean, I know he's tall, but my God, is he tall? Like he's yeah. humongous. Even in an NBA situation, you're seeing NBA players run by or whatever, and he's way taller than all of them. My God, is he tall? Yeah, for sure. All right, um, we will talk to you next week, uh, probably a fuller like Warriors plus minus type episode, previewing either Warriors Celtics or Warriors Heat still on the table. I'm, I'm, I'm still call, pulling for it. I'm not calling it anymore, but Miami would be nice. Miami would be nice. That's all I got to say. Any chance it's Warriors Heat? Any chance? Um, yeah. Percentage chance, I should say, not yeah. any percentage chance. Give me a solid 15% chance. Yeah. Max Struess is going to get hot for one game, finally. Kyle Lowry. is going to lose. Kyle, Oladipo and Kyle Lowry are going to lose their minutes to Gabe Vincent, who's the only guard playing really well. Gabe Jimmy Vincent, Butler comes alive. Gabe Vincent, who I saw hit six threes and take down Team USA, playing for Mike Brown and Team Nigeria in an exhibition this there summer. He go. was like star of the game. There you go. So interesting. All right, uh, we'll talk to you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.